take you on a journey. Um, it's going to take us a while uh, to get through it, but I think it is a very pertinent journey that's, that we need to be on uh, today. You know, I often get asked this question, Brother Robert, if you had someone who uh, was just looking for, um, just searching um, for just all that God is and who he is, and they were wanting to start reading in their Bible, where would you recommend them to start? And I will tell you this, the book of John, all right? That is where we're going to be over the next several years because I'm not going to get out of verse 1 this morning, okay? And this is going to be a verse-by-verse exposition through the Gospel of John. So how long it takes us to get through it, I'm not going to say. I'm not even going to project how long, all right? We will just go as long as God directs us and as long as God allows us uh, to do so. So if you have your Bibles, you already know where we're going. I hear pages already turning or devices that you may have. If you will go to the Gospel of John. John who wrote the Gospel of John also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the three letters of John as well as the book of the Revelation. Um, and it's interesting. If you want to some some real insight into John John was also at the foot of the cross when Jesus died uh, matter of fact he was on the Isle of Patmos uh, exiled there um, in the closing days of his life and it's interesting when you read the first chapter of the book of the Revelation you will notice that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day and he heard a voice behind him and when he turned to look he knew who it was and he fell on his face as though he were dead. So this is the John. I can only imagine what it must have been like being John, or one of the disciples for that matter, or one of the apostles, and all of the things that they experienced. And oh, by the way, who gave their life for the cause of the gospel? And uh, when you consider the magnitude of all of that and the big questions today as to whether or not Jesus Christ is who he claims that he is, what sets Christianity apart from all the other world religions? It is in a person by the name of Jesus Christ. Just as that song that the men just finished singing, um, they thought it was over when he was placed into the tomb. Three days later, he walks out of it. Isn't it interesting that it was a borrowed tomb of which a body had never been laid before? It was not a tomb that was owned by the family. It came as a result of Joseph of Arimathea, and I'll tell you why, because he didn't need it. No reason to have his own. Didn't need any need to have a family tomb. He wasn't going to be there long, okay? And so as Jesus Christ rose from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father, making the intercession on our behalf, really, who is he? You know, the difficult question that many have to ask uh, to answer is Jesus Christ and actually who Jesus Christ is. And my question would be to you today, do you really know who he is? And the significance of what we have in the Gospel of John. You know, when you open the Gospel of John, it's interesting when you read through the Gospel of John, you notice it's different from the other's. It's unlike Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And it's interesting from this perspective, you find no genealogies in John. You find no manger scenes. You find no boyhood. 
You find no baptism, you find no temptation, you find no Mount of Transfiguration, and no Gethsemane in the Gospel of John. So what's John writing about? John is writing. The theme throughout the whole entire Gospel of John is this. And as John pens the words of his Gospel pins it to show that Jesus Christ is in fact the Son of God. Matter of fact, it is, it is an account of the very deity of Jesus Christ and who he is, not who he was, but who he is. Because nothing has changed in the fact of who he is. And matter of fact, it's in John's gospel that you find something else interesting. We find the I am statements of Jesus. We often consider the I am statements to only be those of the Old Testament. When God told Moses, when Moses asked the question, so when I go to Pharaoh, who do I tell him? Or when I go to the people, who do I tell him sent me? And Moses, you're to tell the people of Israel, the I am sent you. So we find the great I am statements. And here in John, we also find the I am statements of Jesus. And so therefore, what does that show us? That God the Father and God the Son and Jesus Christ himself is in fact God in the flesh. That's who he is. When we consider that, what sets Christianity apart from all the other religions in the world is this. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And understanding that as a sinner... There is absolutely nothing we could ever do to attain any, any place in heaven at all outside of Jesus Christ. And understanding that Jesus Christ came and was born for the purpose to die on a cruel cross, to rise again three days later to ascend at the right hand of the Father, and then our responsibility is placing our trust and faith in Him. That's the gospel. And that's what John shares as you go throughout the Gospel of John. Here's something else that's interesting about the Gospel of John. John is also the Gospel that provides a clear statement for us in his writing purpose, in the purpose of the writing of the Gospel of John. Matter of fact, he tells us what that purpose is. If you turn back to John chapter 20, look at John chapter 20, verse 30 and verse 31, you will find... What is the purpose behind the writing? Which is interesting. John is the only gospel who gives that to us. But notice verse 30 and verse 31 of John chapter 20. And here's what it says. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Now verse 31. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. But these have been written, written for you, that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, and therefore as a result of that believing, you can have what? You can have life in his name so john chapter 1 verse 1 through verse number 5 and we're going to get started 
I told you we will probably not get out of verse 1. And let me say this. One of the great theologians preached 12 messages off of these words. In the beginning was the word. Let me tell you something. You can't exhaust that. The magnitude of that statement, in the beginning was the word. You could take those few words and you could break them all down and, and you could spend time just on the beginning. And then as you look at the next word, the word, the word, in the beginning was the word, the logos, the word. To the Greeks, they saw it as an impersonal, it's just something impersonal. But to us, it is personal because of it being Jesus Christ himself. And so therefore, the magnitude of those opening words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you come to verse number 2, and he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. If we go back to verse number one, in the beginning, we'll just park there for a while. In the beginning, in verse 1, refers to the beginning stated in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, how long has Jesus Christ been in existence? There is a teaching out there that Jesus Christ was not from the beginning. Matter of fact, depending on what denomination or religious capacity that you equate to, there are those who teach that even the word in verse number one speaks of the word as multiple gods or as gods, not as a single Jesus Christ himself. And so it's interesting when you watch a lot of the false teaching that is out there surrounding Jesus Christ and who he is. And let me just say this to you this morning. He was since the beginning it's who he is. He's always existed. Matter of fact, that's why in Revelation chapter number 1, is John penned for us the words of Revelation chapter number 1, Jesus Christ said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the what? The end. It's who he is. And if that's not enough, I want you to understand this this morning. Jesus Christ was pre-existent from and before the creation of the universe. And matter of fact, if you take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter number 1, Paul even wrote about this, Colossians chapter 1, and verse 16 and verse 17. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and verse 17. For by him... Speaking of Jesus Christ, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Now look at verse 17. 
He is before all things. And in him, all things what? They hold together or exist. That's who he is. If that's not enough, go to Hebrews chapter 1. And notice as the writer of the book of Hebrews records for us these words. Hebrews chapter 1. In verse, I'll tell you what, we'll just start in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Jesus Christ is the pre-existent one. He's always existed. He's always been. From the beginning, that's who he is. That's who Jesus Christ is. Thus, he's not a created being, but existed from all of eternity. There are those who teach that Jesus Christ, the begotten of the Father, is a created being. Unlike or on the same level that the angels were created as well. That Jesus Christ, the begotten of the Father, is a created being not much different than the angels that are out there, but we know that's not the case. That is not true. The Word is before time. So when you look at the first part and look at that phrase in verse number one and just let that phrase just kind of just resonate within your heart and your mind. In the beginning was the word. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know about you, but what an assurance that is for us. Understanding and realizing that what we have in our salvation is not some afterthought with God or who something that God just determined that needed to be done at some point in time matter of fact the Bible makes reference to Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world so we know that Jesus Christ has always existed and I will say this to you if he didn't and he was simply man and he was simply flesh then we've got a real problem but I can tell you, that's why we refer to him as the incarnate, meaning in flesh, God in the flesh. That's who he is. And my dear friend, for you and I today, the magnitude of that statement when we understand and realize that the one that we place our trust and faith in is true. He is the truth. He is the light. He is the life. That's who he is. Now I need to just kind of how many of y'all how many of y'all like English? Anybody in here like English? I know some of y'all, you don't. I can guarantee you the majority of you in here do not like English. For those of you who like English just a little bit, okay, I want to mention a word to you in verse one in the first phrase. I want you to notice the little verb, uh, the verb was, okay? That's an interesting verb. Now, y'all know what verbs and nouns and subjects and predicate nominatives and all of that, right? Okay? You know how those all relate to each other? Okay. How many of y'all diagram sentences today? Anybody? Not today? 
You know, somebody told me you can go to Google and put in a sentence, ask Google to diagram it for you, and it does it. Huh? See, I come from the old school, okay? Let me ask you a question. I, it's been so long since I've been in school. For, for those that still have school age children, do they diagram sentences anymore? Anybody? I know one. Okay, anybody? Abigail's shaking her head no. Okay. How about you girls? Do y'all diagram sentences anymore? All right, let's look at was. Okay. It's the, it's, they do. Now I have a teacher telling me they do. Let's go back to was, okay. <laughs> We're getting away here real quickly, okay. Any of y'all, how many know what an imperfect tense is of a verb? All right, watch this. I want you to see something just in the magnitude of what you hold in your hands. In the beginning was the word. It's in the imperfect tense. And here's what that signifies. The imperfect tense of the verb was speaks of a continuing action in the past. Affirming for us the eternal preexistence of the Word. Whew. Let me give it to you again. I see some trying to write this down as quickly as I'm giving it out. Okay. The imperfect tense of the verb was speaks of a continuing action in the past, affirming the eternal preexistence of the word now I don't know about y'all but when I was studying that and I di- oh by the way I do diagrams still so when I went and looked up that word that verb okay and saw and oh by the way are you ready for this one Here, here's something else this, this, this just blew my mind you ready for this one okay it's the same in the English and the Greek there's no difference in the beginning was the word preexistent from the beginning he's always been you ready for this and he always will be so let me ask you another question today's the day of questions so what is the significance of verse 1 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's the significance of verse 1 then? When you think about verse 1 in its entirety, whew, here it comes. From all eternity, Jesus Christ. As the second person of the Trinity was with the Father in intimate fellowship. Read it. In the beginning was the Word, 
And the word was with who? With God. Imperfect tense of the verb was a continuing action in the past. He always was. And you ready for this? And the word was God. Now, I don't know about you. That just absolutely brings me to a place that I stand in awe of my salvation and what I have in Jesus Christ. But the full impact of verse 1, I told y'all we wouldn't get past verse 1, didn't I? Okay? But the full impact of verse 1 is actually seen in the last part of the verse. The last four words of the verse. And the word was God. Mm. The Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three separate, yet one. Let me tell you something. We do everything we can to try to explain the Trinity. Okay, From the triangle, showing the relationship between all of them. But I, I, if, if we're honest with each other in this building this morning, that's just something that is beyond our being able to fully get our hands around. But are you ready for this? Are you ready for this one? And here comes, I think, the magnitude of it. When we consider our salvation, the Father, through His Son, His love for us goes beyond anything that you and I could ever imagine. And then he proved it by sending his son. You ready for this? God took on flesh and dwelt among us. Thus the Old Testament prophet when he said, And his name shall be called Emmanuel, or God with us. He came and dwelt among us died a heinous death on a cruel cross because of his love for us because there was absolutely no way that you and I could ever pay for what was necessary we could never appease we could never come to the place that we could appease the wrath of God on our own but the word the logos who was in the beginning Paid the price that you and I could never pay so that we could have an eternal home with him one day. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you something every time I, 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 listen, I spend hours on that last phrase. Going through and looking at the Old Testament prophets, looking at the New Testament, looking as it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ 
Do you ever understand the magnitude of what we have today in Christ? Sometimes I think we lose sight of it. To lose and to understand. And I don't know if you if it ever comes down to, okay, there is absolutely nothing you could do to appease the wrath of God. You ever understood that? None. Then John turns around in verse number 2 and he restates the profound truth of verse 1 and verse 2. But let me say this before we come to verse 2. Out of all the scripture, out of all the scripture, John chapter 1 and verse number 1 is the clearest and most direct declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ found anywhere in scripture it's to the point here it is there is nothing apart from this when we consider the magnitude then he comes to verse number 2 notice what he said he was in the beginning with who he was in the beginning with God who he is Jesus Christ and the magnitude of all of that comes to this there can be no life or light apart from this truth none John writing in his first letter speaks of that relationship between Jesus Christ and the believer and my question today to, to each of you in, in this auditorium would be this do you really know Jesus Christ and who he is Do you understand today that apart from Jesus Christ, there is absolutely nothing you can do to appease the wrath of God? None. John tells us about the gospel of John. He said, these are written for you. They're written for you. They're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. They're written for you so that those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God may have what? Life and have it eternal. My question today would be to, to those of you who are sitting in this auditorium, do you know for a fact today? Do you know for a fact today can you say with the affirmative yes that I know this Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior based on my own relationship with him? And I trust that you can. Because the magnitude of verse number one comes down to this. There is no option outside of Jesus Christ. There's not one. I know the teaching today and the thought today is there are multiple ways to get to the Father. 
Jesus said there are no other there is no other way matter of fact when you go through John's gospel and as we go through John's gospel when Jesus has the conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter number three here's what he tells Nicodemus he said you must be born again it's the only way you must be born again the woman at the well in Samaria Jesus spoke with the woman at the well when she said we worship God in here and there and Jesus said there's coming a day when you will not worship God in this mountain or any other but you will only worship him in spirit and in truth and continue on through the book of John as you come to John chapter number 11 just kind of hitting all the peaks for you just to kind of to, to whet your appetite just a little bit with the gospel of John as he comes to the death and the grave of Lazarus and as he speaks to Martha and Mary and the very question that he asked them is do you believe in the resurrection and the response was yes Lord in the last days I, we, we do we understand that and Jesus looks at them and here's what he tells them I am the resurrection and the life that's who I am and then of course we all know the rest of that account as Jesus Christ goes to the grave of Lazarus calls him by name and he steps forth out of the tomb it's a sign to those around him as to the deity and the understanding of who Jesus Christ was at that moment in time then standing before Pilate in John chapter 18 when Pilate looks at Jesus and asks Jesus a simple question he says what is truth what is truth the truth was standing in front of Pontius Pilate Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 in verse number 6 I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me that is the only way so who is he is he just another man is he just another teacher is he just another prophet is he just a good moral guy okay other religions in the world believe that that's exactly what he was was just another prophet he was just another man but let me say something to you this morning he is God in the flesh my question to you today do you know him do you have a personal relationship with him Jesus himself said the day is coming when many will say to me didn't we do this in your name and didn't we do this and didn't we do this and didn't we do this and Jesus in the sermon on the mount said I will look at them and say depart from me because I never knew so let me ask you a question does he know you today do you know him in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God John chapter 1 verse 1 so what do we do with it what do you do with those words Jesus said if you believe in me you will have life and have it more abundantly 
So my question today, do you know him? Do you know for sure that you belong to him? Is there a day in your heart and life when you realized that you were a sinner standing before a holy God and there was absolutely nothing you could do within yourself to appease the wrath of God, knowing and understanding that God came in the flesh, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, was buried and rose again the third day, and is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. Do you know him? But more importantly today, does he know you?